0: I wanna be free, I wanna be, wanna be free. free.
1: Welcome to Liberty Chats, produced by members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council. Thank you for joining us. We talk to a variety of experts, leaders, journalists, and policymakers about our nation's founding principles, why they are still so relevant and essential to preserving freedom for everyone, what specific challenges and threats they face today, and how those founding principles best safeguard and empower everyone's ability young and old to attain prosperity and personal happiness.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Liberty Chats, a podcast from the Steamboat Institute. My name is Christina Eastman, and I'm a member of the Emerging Leaders Council, a leadership program out of the Institute, and I'm excited to be here today. My guest is Katie Pavlich, a Fox News contributor, writer, and speaker. Hey, Katie. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having
0: me. It's great to be here.
2: Good. So um, I just really wanted to hear about how you became interested in your career and um, kind of where you started and how you climbed the ladder
0: all the way up to Fox News. Yeah, so it's a bit of a a bit of a journey, that's for sure. Um, so I I guess it starts in high school. When you know, I went to college because that's kind of what you're supposed to do. And wasn't really sure, you know, what my what I wanted to do, what my ambitions were, what my major was going to be. I had this idea going into it that I wanted to go to law school eventually. So I chose a political science major with a business minor, but then I got into college and really figured out that I would rather be working rather than in school. (laughs) And so I figured that law school was probably not the best bet for me if I was already, I guess, tired of, of the school part of things. Um, upon arrival. So I then switched, um, I, 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 stayed with, with that major. Um, but then I was, I was really, uh, you know, I was in my business classes and at one point I switched to a business major and that was something that I got to my second accounting class and said, I don't think I can look at charts and I admire people who are in this business, but it's not something that I want to continue pursuing. And then I decided that maybe I'd want to do uh, sports broadcast journalism, because I was a big college basketball fan and really enjoyed being part of the, you know, the the student section and the cheering section and that kind of thing at the University of Arizona, which is has a big sports program. And my family comes from a sports background, in coaching um, and administrative athletics. So that was something I entertained. But then I went to a Young America's Foundation conference my sophomore year in college, and that really changed my it really kind of gave me the light bulb moment about what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course, I've always been interested in conservative politics and I've always been interested in in speech and debate. And I, I did go to law camp at Stanford at one point in high school. (laughs) Um, But my parents weren't necessarily political people, but they were uh, involved in the local community and they were small business owners. And so, you know, issues about taxes and overregulation and that kind of thing. Um, we're always kind of part of our kitchen table conversation, as Ronald Reagan used to say. So long story short, I went to this YAF conference. I heard a bunch of speakers there who I had admired and been, listen, been listening to on radio and reading um, their columns, you know, since I was really in, in middle school and, and in, in the car with my mom um, driving around. And so then I decided to change my major to broadcast journalism and go to, towards a more political route. And I moved to D.C. for the summer to do an internship with townhall.com, which is where I still work now. (laughs) Got worked my way from an intern uh, up to where I am now managing a team and writing and covering a lot of really interesting topics throughout the years. Um, So then after school, I moved to D.C. and all by myself and really just dove in headfirst during the Obama years of, of working in being on Capitol Hill, going to hearings, covering issues. And um, that kind of just led to a a lot of different things. I wrote my first book um, about the Fast and Furious scandal, which ended up being a New York Times bestseller, And that kind of launched me into more TV. Um, Although my TV career really started during the 2012 presidential election, I would say. Um, That's when I used to do CNN and MSNBC. And I would do Piers Morgan's show and um, I did a lot of Larry Kudlow's CNBC show, actually, before I moved over to Fox. So sort of culmination of of moving and pursuing your things and taking risks and not being afraid to go after big projects and really just working hard. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it from, from a, a very simple perspective, I'd say.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm curious who uh, some of your role models were in media, both at the start of Um, your career and kind of now, if you could share.
0: Yes. I don't know if I necessarily had so many role models in media as, as far as role models in philosophy or in politics. I did certainly Margaret Thatcher was one of them, Ronald Reagan, Um, you know, after nine 11, I thought George W. Bush was, was, you know, his leadership in that time of, of when that happened, I thought was very admirable um, but in terms of media, of course, a lot of the people I work with now um, have always been helpful and, and mentors to me. Dana Perino is one person who I've always admired, even before I even started working in the field. And to be able to work with her, her on a regular basis now is, is a dream come true. And she's always been so helpful with her advice and her um, her guidance just in the way that she carries herself and does her own work. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's important for everybody to kind of take pieces from their, you know, people that they admire, but also not try to become those people and to, you know, build their own, um, their own, their own identity with their, their own path and the, the decisions that they make. Um, because I think everybody has their own way of getting to where they want to be. And, you know, using lessons from other people is very helpful. And then applying those to your own situation is, I think, the best way to kind of mold your, your own happiness and your own success. Mm-hmm. So
2: you mentioned um, when you were talking about uh, how you got started in um, broadcast journalism and writing, um, you talked about how, you know, you had a lot of switching majors in college and um, talked about how, uh, you know, you left school after a while. So I'm wondering if uh, if the current state of um, how colleges are now with all the um, bias do you think that aspiring journalists? Um, do you think college is a good step for bio- aspiring journalists? Do you think that's a necessary step, or would you recommend to people to just kind of get out there and start working for local news? Yeah, that's
0: a great question. Um, first, I want to go back to the question you just asked because I just had another thought in my head. Because you asked, who who did I admire in media? Sure. I think it was more that I was frustrated with media. I was very frustrated mm-hmm. with the way Katie Couric treated Sarah Palin, for example. And so it was mm-hmm. It was a lot of a frustration of not feeling like conservative reporters existed or were represented it, represented outside of Fox News at the time. Um, there's so much new multimedia now. So that was really a kind of, a, a, I guess, a, a motivator to... Get into the field because I felt like there weren't a lot of people that were representative of our our, our viewpoints and a conservative point of view. Um, so that being said, in terms of college, um, you know, I I think that this is a tough question because I think a lot of what college has become is a total racket, and I think that the last year with the pandemic has proved a lot of that in the sense mm-hmm. of the way that they put everything online and how they're still charging these enormous tuition fees and not giving any kind of discount despite these students not being on campus and you know i just i go back to my university and see the amount of of just physical territory the university has taken over and the amount of money they've used to build these massive buildings and to expand and, and whether that's really helping the education of students or whether it's just putting them into debt with degrees that they're never going to be able to use to pay off that debt. Uh, I think you have to look at it like a return on investment, just like anything else. You can't look at it as a feeling. You can't look at it as something that you're entitled to. You have to look at it as a business transaction. You know, The amount of work and money you're going to be putting into this four years of a career, is that going to pay off on the other end? Now, there are no guarantees in life, right? but there are majors that you can pick that have a higher degree of success um, than others. Like engineering, for example, is going to get you much further along in life than a degree in women's studies, unless your plan is to just continue on through the university system, which is what a lot of those people do, right? Mm -hmm. For me personally, um, I thought that my broadcast journalism education was very helpful in terms of setting me up with a skill set that I could use in the workplace when I graduated college. It was a really skill-based program. It wasn't just about reading about philosophy of journalism or that kind of thing. It really was a skill-based um, program. So, and it was well-rounded. So at that time, it's so interesting to look back, you know, it was, that time I was looking at, you know, studying these new forms of multimedia and setting up your Twitter account, which I'm sure that's a whole nother conversation. Now <laughs> in journalism school. Right, I'm so right. curious about this new social media aspect because it was just starting when I was in journalism school. Um, but I, you know, I learned how to put a package together if I wanted to go into local broadcasting news and I learned how to do it all by myself. I learned how to edit the package. I learned how to shoot it without a cameraman. Uh, I learned how to write newspaper articles and I learned how to edit photos and how to lay out a newspaper, um, front page. And, you know, that I guess now isn't that worthy of a skill set, but it is worthy in terms of transferring that to digital and how you lay out a website and your story selection and the visual side of it. So it was a big combination of all of those things. So I think it was worth it. But generally, I think that the university system is a racket and a waste of money and that taxpayers are getting screwed and parents are getting screwed. And um, you see that with you know the the advocacy to go to college and this federalization of the student loan program has been devastating, and it really just allows the universities to get tons of money with no accountability on the other side of it for whether mm-hmm. students get jobs. Um, just a blank, a blank check out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they and they use it. They don't use it to for the betterment of the education. They use it to, to build buildings and to make the university more attractive to for students to come there in an emotional way, right? Well, they have a cafe and a gym and a beautiful dorm room and, and that's all nice, but at the end of the day, it's a very short period of time in your life that can affect the rest of your life mm-hmm. if you're taking on hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans to live there for four years, right? So Um, I do think education is important, but I do think that the education system generally uh, overall with the university system is both very far left, which then enables bad decisions for what your major should be, which then puts these students into this debt for the rest of their lives. Um,
2: So, right. Yeah. I think COVID, like you mentioned, is you know, yeah, I think like you mentioned, COVID really is exposing a lot of these um, deeper issues with our education system and Hopefully, people are waking up more. But
0: yeah, um, definitely. But sure, I think I'm if, sure if we'll my program see... wasn't skills based, it would have been a waste of time and a waste mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Hopefully, we'll yeah. see some things changing in the next year or so. Um, once people kind of have a chance to analyze what all the government shutdowns and um, Zoom classes have done, um, yeah, mm-hmm. what we've been privy to. Yep. So um, yeah, you talked a little bit about um, how you were dissatisfied with um, media, and that was one of your. Um, sort of influences for getting into it. And um, we all know conservative women are criticized in culture and media, regardless of their accomplishments, um, such as yourself. And I'm just curious, how do you personally deal with criticism and stand strong, regardless of um, kind of that critique that you get on a daily basis, whether it's Twitter wars or, um, you know, hit pieces against you, you know?
0: Um, Well, I... I'm cautious on this topic because I don't want conservative women to fall into the woe is me victim mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, It is true that conservative women have a higher standard that people set for them than for liberal women or for Democrats in general. That is true. Um, We see that with the treatment of female candidates. We've seen that with the treatment of historical candidates like Sandra Day O'Connor, who has been completely overshadowed by RBG. Um, We see that with the accomplishments of of women, for example, Amy Coney Barrett, who's on a Supreme Court justice, and she, you would think, would be the epitome of feminist um, accomplishments given she has this high profile career and she has a family and has the ultimate balance of the two, at least it would seem, um, but she's attacked for it. So I don't want to belittle the reality of it being more difficult at the same time. I think that conservative women have a different perspective on how to handle life and its challenges. We want to be a product of our decisions, not a product of our gender and we don't want to be solely judged based on our gender or promoted based on our gender. Um, so, in terms of what conservative women go through in media, I think it's it, if you think of it as a challenge to be better. You know, you, you know that you have to be 100% factual all of the time because you're going to get nailed for it. Which means that you're going to be a better reporter or a better commentator or a better speaker or better whatever in whatever field you're going to be in. Right? Is that fair? No, but it does make you better at your job. Um, In terms of handling criticism, I think you have to really compartmentalize the types of criticism. If it's coming from Twitter and a bunch of left-wing trolls and blogs, you you really should just ignore it and not let it bother you at all, because it's never going to change. And even if you apologize for it or try to have a conversation, we've seen that the left that only invites more aggression. So I'd say if that kind of criticism, you should just... Simply push to the side as it's going to be there, and it's done. It's really not your problem, and it's usually inaccurate and unfair anyway, so you just have to ignore it. The second thing I would say about criticism is it can be a good thing. I mean, constructive criticism, especially when you're in a public space, can be very helpful for your own growth, right? So being able to take criticism and use it to grow and be better I think is a really good thing and asking for p- for feedback from people who you trust or the people that you work with or from maybe readers um, and an audience is a really good way for you to grow your audience and grow your brand and to grow um, in whatever kind of capacity you want to in the field of media that you're doing. Um, so those are the things that I would say. And then there's the kind of media, you know, the kind of false smears that you want to fight back against. If something's gaining a lot of traction, that's wholly unfair and untrue. Um, obviously, you want to respond to it with with factual evidence and to defend yourself and to get other people in your corner to help you do the same. Um, but but generally, I would say if you allow your work to speak for itself, then a lot of that criticism goes away um, or at least is kind of tamped down almost immediately. So, you know, it's going to happen. Um, but I think if you can just kind of stay, you know, in your own lane and look forward and run your own race, you'll be okay.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We're just running out of time here, but, uh, you know, I look forward to, um, continuing to follow your work
0: and, um,
2: following you on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Thank you.
0: Yeah. And you know what, I also want one thing on your last question is just the the benefit is, um, you know, we, we get very frustrated with how much the media is run by the left and how academia is run by the left. But the good news is that if you look at how far conservative media has come since the nineties, there's, there's never been more saturation of or higher saturation of conservative media Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: social media, even with all of its censorship and big tech overlording um, you are able to kind of build your own um, story. And so even if people are criticizing you, there's another way for you to show people who you are and and to, to profile and um, to promote your work. So I think that gives you a lot more opportunity than people used to have when it came to the media solely defining them and not them not having an outlet to really fight back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. That's at least, at least we're ending on an encouraging note. I know there's yeah. so stay much. strong
0: guys. You, you can make it through. I promise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's so much bias. There's so much um, wrong with the news media today, but mm-hmm. yes, you're, you're so right. There's, there's so many good positive outlets um, for us to get our, our voices out there. So thank you for yep. being a part of that. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. So thanks so much for joining us on Liberty Chats today. Um, Please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes
1: if you are enjoying the show. Thank you for listening to today's Liberty Chat. I'm Erica Anderson, the producer of the podcast. Our podcast editor is Fingers Malloy. My co-producers include Charlotte Whalen, Zachary Rogers, Lindsay Martin, and Christina Eastman, all members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council, who represent the next generation of free market, free speech leadership. We hope you tune in again for our next Liberty Chat episode.